Hello, Northampton. It's time for another episode of Vegan Radio. I'm here with my co-host cohort, Megan Schneckelford. That's me. Mama, sweet mama of the valley. And uh, you know you're jonesing for some tofu. So uh, here we go. And here it is. We got a collar already. (laughs) Very popular show. Try to hold your calls for a few more minutes. Uh, we can't answer the phone until we do our intro. What's up, Maggie? What do we got going on today? We got some uh, friend of yours coming in to play music. We got Mr. Star Drucker coming in as our vegan musician. He's going to be live music. He's going to play a couple tunes. We're going to ask him some questions. He's the owner of Evolution Cafe. He's the owner of a vegan cafe in Florence called Evolution, correct? And uh, I think you're affiliated with that cafe. Yes, <laughs> affiliated in a good way. And we also have Tanya Chaos. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce her last name, but I'm sure she'll tell us when we talk to her. She's a crazy raw foodist. Yep. And I think I have some major questions for her. I'm yep. not sure how I feel about this whole raw foods thing. Well, that's all right, because uh, the raw foodists don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Derek's on a raw foods kick, and we're going we're gonna to see what's going on with it. And uh, Tanya's also a, um, she's, she toured with Stomp, and she's going to be in a, a reality TV show called uh, Something About Superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. We don't ever watch TV, but it's, it sounds pretty cool. It's, uh, well, we'll talk about it later, because our music is ending. And it's time for the Naked News. Uh, apparently, our f- our friend Scott, um, we as if you listened last week, you know we have a new policy of being very chill on the air now, and we're <laughs> we're taking it easy. Scott's taking it so easy today that he uh, he's still in bed. <laughs> he's still in bed. He couldn't, couldn't make it out he of could, bed this morning. He couldn't crawl out this morning. So, I'm uh, very very unhappy with Scotty. <laughs> he's on the bad list, but we're going to carry on without him, and uh, we have. Um, Some news for you. The Naked News. All right. First story is about Derek's favorite, Paul McCartney. (laughs) He likes to have about a story every two weeks about this character. He's always in the news. It's true. People love him. People do love him. So we'd like to kick off today's Naked News by mentioning that Paul McCartney has finally turned 64. It actually happened on June 18th, but we decided to announce it later so that all the media attention we'd stir up wouldn't put a damper on Sir Paul's big day. I know. It's, it's the slash dot, slash dot effect with Veganica. <laughs> Paul's been I a mean, vegetarian. Radio, whatever we are. We, who are we? <laughs> Paul's been a vegetarian and animal rights activist for quite some time now and has picked up where his first wife, Linda, left off when she passed on several years ago. In related news, Linda's line of frozen vegetarian entrees was sold by the U.S. megacorporation Heinz to Haynes Celestial Group, an American company... From Heinz to Haynes. Heinz to Haynes, an American company specializing in organic and natural consumer goods. The McCartney family still has some involvement and owns the license to the line, whatever that means. As we mentioned in an earlier show, Paul and his current wife, Heather Mills, are splitting up. Heather's a vegan animal rights activist, and although she never started a line of vegan frozen entrees, we do love her just the same. We wish her and Paul both the best on the third week anniversary of Paul's 64th birthday. Let's have a little musical. (laughs) 
that's I was just about to say that's enough for that music (laughs) but of course I don't want to hear it but Derek wants to keep playing it that's the way things go (laughs) I wanted to listen to what Paul thought back then of what 64 was going to be like (laughs) I I think it's kind of sad that um, him and Heather are breaking up on the on his birthday on his 64th year I know he was, he was thinking he would have this nice well, little home. And, uh, sometimes, you know, when it's you get that you get that age difference, it can be a bad thing, you know? Isn't yeah. he like 20 years older than her? I don't know. I think Sounds so. Sounds like a good thing for yeah. him. <laughs> well, apparently not. <laughs> apparently she's found some younger chicken. I don't know. Apparently the <laughs> vegan Viagra wasn't working for Paul and Heather had to go. Enough of this music. <laughs> Enough of it. Okay. All right. So now the other story we have, um, in a previous show, we pondered the etymology of the word hamstring, if all of you were listening. And we'd like to thank a listener named Reed for emailing us with the answer to our question. Apparently, hamstring muscles are so named because it was a common practice to hang a pig corpse on a hook by the detached tendons of the pig's hamstring muscle. So next time you pull your hamstring, don't feel so bad because you're not hanging upside down with a hook in your leg. <laughs> yeah, I, I researched that a little more. And actually, um, another thing I found was that the they would cut animals' hamstrings while they were still alive <laughs> so that they could catch the animals and uh, uh, kill them easier. Not good. No. We welcome any comments or breaking news items our listeners have to offer. And we'll try to mention your name on the show if you contribute. We have forums and a contact form available at www.veganradio.com. All right, next up, hunting comes to your television. This fall, the World Hunting Association, a new competitive league, will feature 10 hunters in a deer hunting tournament, not shooting bullets at anything. In an attempt to lure viewers who may be turned off by gore, the association's planners have dubbed this... That's not Al Gore either. <laughs> the association's planners have dubbed this competition non-lethal, meaning that hunters will shoot tranquilizer darts from bows, guns, and blowguns, and veterinarians will be on site to tend to the deer after they are hit. It sits better with the public, says WHA founder David Farbman. Hunting's not just about the kill. So that's ju- that's a matter of debate. It's about rednecks in the woods. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wonder if Dr- you'll be able to drink beer. Drinking a lot of drinking a lot of PBR. Shoot each other. <laughs> <laughs> the, Na- the National Rifle Association has pronounced the scheme not hunting, says Andrew Ar- Aralundam, an, R- an NRA spokesman, because it runs afoul of hunting ethics. Hunting is about the kill, Arulanum Dam. Can you say that? I can't say it. Can you say Arulanum Dam? I don't even know if you're saying it right. How could I say it? <laughs> Andrew Arulanum Dam, an RNA spokesman, because it runs afoul of hunting ethics. Hunting is about the kill, Arulam Dam contends, and not it's a very about ethical sport. Not about wounding animals with non-lethal darts. They can possibly injure the animal, he says. In hunting, you're supposed to bring down your animal in the most humane way possible. This catch-and-release hunting has also been condemned by the U.S. Sportsmen's Alliance and the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Carl Zainitzer, one of the hunters who has signed on to compete, doesn't have a problem with this unconventional premise. 
People that would never go hunting will now turn this hunting tour on, he says. Farman is similarly unfazed. If this competition doesn't win the hearts and minds of non-hunting fans, he has some other ideas up his sleeve, including donating money to charity and launching a program to feed the hungry with the venison. I think we should have a program where we where they have hunters hunt um dick cheney with tranquilizer darts <laughs> <laughs> you always have it out for dick cheney and then they could donate they, his meat to the <laughs> the homeless or something he could probably feed like a few homeless shelters for a while why is dick cheney so funny why is any joke about dick cheney funny? i don't know he's just like he looks kind of like uh humpty he's just, dumpty or something he's just, he's just, such just a, like a big egg of a <laughs> Lump of lump of flesh with with. He is a very easy target. No evil. pun intended. He's an evil lump of flesh. <laughs> oh, you're getting personal. Oh well. So what, what's all this ethical hunting? This is crazy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. They don't want to tranquilize the animals because they'd rather maim them and let them run around and slowly bleed to death. I don't know. It's crazy. Well, they want to try to promote their thing, and so they think that, you know. People at home will be more into it if they're like, oh, the animal's not being killed. The NRA would rather see them just killed. (laughs) On with our next story. Okay. Whole Foods stops selling live lobsters. That's exciting. Yeah. Customers craving fresh crustaceans will have to look beyond Whole Foods Market Incorporated after the Natural Foods grocery chain decided Thursday to stop selling live lobsters and crabs on the grounds that it's inhumane. The Austin-based grocer spent seven months studying the sale of live lobsters from ship to supermarket aisle, trying to determine whether the creatures suffer along the way. In some stores, they experimented with lobster condos, filling the tanks with stacks of large pipes that the critters can crawl inside, and they moved the tanks behind seafood counters and away from children's tapping fingers. But recently, Whole Foods' leadership team decided to immediately stop selling live lobsters and soft-shell crabs because they couldn't ensure they are treated with respect and compassion. We place as much emphasis on the importance of humane treatment and quality of life for all animals as we do on the expectations for quality and flavor, Whole Foods co-founder and vegan CEO John Mackey said in a statement. Vegan CEO John Mackey. I know. Shout out. What, shout, yeah, but he also runs these like, Whole also, Foods that um, have um, tons of meat. I know. So I don't know. He's a he's got a character flaw. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine if it wasn't a vegan in there. It's true. Then the then they'd probably issues be like these boiling the even... lobsters right in front of you. It's true. <laughs> It'd be the they latest. Have like, the latest. They'd have lobster projects instead of lobster condos. <laughs> All right, Derek. Okay, <laughs> animal rights act- activities are thrilled with the decision, not just because of the way lobsters are harvested, shipped, and stored, but because of the fate that awaits many of them being dropped. Did you dropped- say shipped, or did you say something else? Shipped? Oh. I said, yeah, shipped and oh, stored. I just wanted to make sure you're following FCC. Shipped and stored because of the fate that awaits <laughs> many of them being dropped alive into a pot of boiling water. The way that lobsters are treated would warrant felony cruelty to animal charges if they were dogs or cats, said Bruce Friedrich, a spokesman for People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Go, Bruce. In making its decision, Whole Foods pointed to a November report from the European Food Safety Authority Animal Health and Welfare Panel that it said concluded all decapod crustaceans, including lobsters and crabs, appear to have some degree of awareness, feel pain, and can learn. From now on, Whole Foods will only sell frozen, raw, and cooked lobster products at its more than 180 stores in the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom. So uh, the lobster was the last, the last link with um, consumers and the killing of animals, because that was like the last 
What do you mean the last link? Well, well, consumers were able to buy lobsters and kill them themselves. All other animals you buy pre-packaged, pre-killed. So. Oh, so, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm not saying it's good or bad. Yeah, I, mean, I guess I'm feeling like. <laughs> I mean, well, they're still selling yeah, lobsters. Yeah, it's a small, small, small victory, but it's yeah. it is some victory. Well, I mean, the lobsters will spend less time suffering. Yeah, it's true. And more That's time true. frozen. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> not funny. <laughs> All right, our last story, which I really don't want to read because it really. Excuse me out. Um, Chinese wow. Chinese AR activists close restaurant. Banner-wielding animal rights protesters swarmed into a restaurant serving cat meat in the southern Chinese city of Shenzhen and forced it to shut down. The 40 or so demonstrators holding banners reading, Cats and dogs are friends of human beings, entered the Fangji cat meatball restaurant and demanded the owner free any live cats on the premises. There were none in the building as the owner had already moved them out. Some protesters burst into tears upon finding a skinned cat in a fridge. I cannot go on with my business and I will not sell cat meat anymore, the restaurant owner was quoted as saying, though he did defend his trade by saying eating cat in Guangdong province was a tradition. The organizer of the protest, identified only as Isabel, the founder of a cat protection website, said the restaurant had been chosen because it killed cats in the street and it was very bad for the students from nearby schools. A local beauty, beauty queen, Miss Shenzhen 2005, also took <laughs> part, calling on people to stop eating cats and dogs. We got to get her on the show. And become civilized. Miss Shenzhen 2005 Call on her the up. next vegan radio. Call her up. If anyone knows how we can contact her, veganradio.com. Oh, God. <laughs> Many Chinese, particularly in the South, believe dogs and cats are good warming foods to eat during the winter. China is developing a nation animal rights movement as more people raise pets, which during the country's communist heyday was frowned upon as a bourgeois activity. Yeah. Tradition is always used uh, as an excuse, huh? Even when it's cats and dogs. It's true. It's our tradition to eat cats and dogs. It's time It's time to start changing tradition. I think it's, well, it's, it's, it's time to start. It's always time to change tradition. It's time to start modifying tradition. Unless your tradition is compassion. <laughs> All righty oh, then, darling. We have our next guest coming in. Oh, my God. This and he's, is very exciting. Wow. Looks like he's got a whole setup. Let's play our little PSA <laughs> and, uh, and then we'll, uh, and we'll have Star Dricker. Star Dricker coming up next. This is Bruce Friedrich with People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. You're listening to Vegan Radio. Remember, the animal rights movement is the social justice movement of our time. So we have Star Dricker, owner of uh, Vegetarian Vegan Cafe Evolution. In Florence. Used to own Fire and Water. The infamous. It is true. These are true things. And uh, let's talk about fire and water first of all. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> all right, yeah. let's drag he's it. Always, the past. He's always got to talk about fire and no, water. No, no one ever asked well, about fire and water. <laughs> all right. So, what was fire and water? What does it mean uh, to the community? Well, fire and water. Um, I guess now I'm trying. I'm actually making a film about fire and water, and I should know what the date of opening was but I, I still can't seem to remember but it was about oh 10 years ago and we did it for about nine years it was a performance space um and vegetarian and mostly vegan cafe um there were performances about 
uh, like three, two or three a night, including an open stage and an open uh, poetry word on Wednesday, which was a big hit around here. Um, word. And I actually used to work at Fire and Water, which is even you crazier. You really familiar. <laughs> I was wondering if, if you were the same Megan. And boy, this muffin is good. She's a, she was the one that was always slacking around, talking to customers. Ah, you know funny. what? Not funny. <laughs> Watch it, Derelict. I was an awesome worker, let yeah. me tell you. It's true. Chris she always I- got there on time, yeah. too. <laughs> All right, so I never got there on time, but I was an awesome worker. So, uh, she hasn't been late to the show yet. I have to. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. right now, the, the space where Fire and Water was is is become a bank. Yeah, that's and great. It's gone through a lot of transitions. Yeah, it's so. really, really very strange. I went down there with my son Rain while the construction workers were working on it, and we walked in, and they were sort of like, Ex- "Excuse me, but uh, you can't be here." And I, and I was like, "No, but I used to have a business here." And they went, "You mean Fire and Water?" <laughs> and I love that place. <laughs> And they're like, okay, you can stay. Yeah, oh, and then of, they were cool. Really yeah, then they were all all fun. <laughs> so is, is the bottom part a bank too, or is it just... The whole the, thing, right? The whole thing's a bank, wow. as far as I know. It's yeah. such a strange... I just think that's a strange setup for a bank. I can't really see it, but... Well, we, they're going to have performances. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're going to be selling uh, vegan uh, treats. <laughs> you know, with every uh, Vegan savings deposit. account. And cool. then, but I'm not doing that anymore. You're not now, doing that anymore. I'm doing Enough about things. fire and water. Now I'm, now I'm making a film about that whole experience, um, and I've been interviewing a lot of people in the valley, people who worked there and went there and played there, and, and anything that some relationship to the space, um, and telling the story of a performance space. And, and for people who don't know, I had a child named Jesse who was in the space. We actually designed it for him, and he passed on. He was just a little baby born, born with a particular heart and had open-heart surgery. So it's a, it's a story about life and death and music and, and beyond. And so, you're, you're working with another filmmaker called PJ? Named PJ Moynihan, yep. Shout out to PJ. <laughs> That's why I actually even have a camera now, because I, the film is sort of incorporating everything that I'm doing now. So Vegan Radio Stars is going to be... filming himself currently. I don't think your camera can see me over here. Like, <laughs> I'm missing the whole story. I'm very particular about ca- like everyone should have their own camera, you know. Yeah, right, right. On themselves at all times. <laughs> well, we can recreate it with a handsome actor later. So, um, so I, I was looking around on the web for uh, to see if you had any personal websites. I found Sa- Salmon Boy Studios. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a photographer. I've sort of been a photographer all my life, and I do a particular kind of photography where I, I take Polaroids um, and I make a sort of a mosaic out of them, um, lining up a whole bunch of them in a row. It's really difficult to try to explain this. Um, well, so grids, we you call should, but you I should call go to the website. Yeah, you should go to the website, salmonboystudios.com. That's in our show notes at veganradio.com. And you should check those out. And that's what I've been working on a lot. They'll be in the, in the Fire and Water film. And, uh, I'm, and I have a bunch of them up at the Evolution Cafe. So you could run down there, drop whatever you're doing, and um, head on down there and check out the, the pictures. And then if you like something like that, then if you're really, really nice to me, then I, I'll think about it. <laughs> and if you're photogenic. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Photogenic. <laughs> forgot about that <laughs> so uh is there any other websites out there or do you have anything with your music on it or anything like that um not yet no not that um 
Not that I know of. <laughs> not that I know of. You're not blogging so there, anywhere. There oh, some... I was in a band called the Surf Maggots um, <laughs> in Portland years ago, and I uh, this this year I was googling my name, and that came up that I I was the drummer in some and the Surf Maggots, and they, we did put out one uh, forty five, and uh, with some other band called I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea if it I was. Um, so that's kind of that's, that's out there somewhere. So the surf maggots is out there, but no, I don't. I don't think there's any music out there that I know of, really. But I did play in a band called Native Tongue um, in New York City in the late '80s, early '90s, um, and we put out, I guess, four different recordings. Um, so some people might know that. In fact, there was someone at, at the cafe just recently um, who had. St- Who's kind of following me around? I think he's a stalker, a stalker of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he didn't seem like the stalker type. He seemed very sweet. Well, <laughs> sweet stalkers. Never, yeah, sweet that, stalkers. those are the, the ones you have to really watch out. <laughs> the, the sweet stalkers. Anyway, he saw me down there, and then he, and then I met him again at Fire and Water, and then there he was sitting at Evolution, and I started to sweat profusely. And that's a nice him. segue into well, let's what talk, you're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about Evolution. What's uh, what is it? What's your vision for the future? For ev- for evolution and my you, vision you, for the future. Do you consider oh goodness? Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about your veganism um, and how it plays in evolution and and where'd you get that great baker? What? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. She looks really familiar. <laughs> Are you sure you're not a vegan baker? <laughs> in fact, I am. You play one on the radio, <laughs> and, I play. and I play one on the radio exactly. Um, with uh, Cafe. Uh, Evolution. Actually, that space um, I had been looking at when um, we were still doing Fire and Water. It's sort of near my house, and I just thought it was a very interesting space. And, and I'm someone who's really interested in spaces, creating scenes and performances um, in sort of a, I guess, in a '60s sort of happening sense, creating you know people, things, food. Groovy. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Um, so I like the space itself, and then um, over the last two, I guess it's now two years, I've been vegan, and um, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, well, you know, influenced in many ways. As um, we evolve, we all go towards veganism. It's but true. I, but, it's, but it's strange, because I actually had a vegan bakery back in the 80s in New York City, a wholesale vegan bakery, but I didn't get to it because I was vegan. I got to it because I was a real Whole Foods kind of baker. And then I was sending stuff out, and someone at a health food store said, "You know, I like your cookies and all, except for I can't eat uh, eat them because they have honey." And I have a thing about bees, and that's when I first heard what vegan even was. And I thought it was kind of a little much <laughs> at the time. A little radical, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, I was sort of like, "Well, okay." But, Were there um, protesters outside your place with uh, "Save the Bees" signs? <laughs> No, there it, it, seemed, it seemed like the, there was just this one person in New York City Bee who killer. had a problem with bees. <laughs> but luckily, actually, I went to my distributor and he had barley malt. He had tubs of barley malt because he was a big distributor of barley malt, of all things. Because <laughs> you go to a store, I like, immediately thought, oh, go, maybe I'll change the sweetener to something. So, and, and I went, and all the health food stores, you could get barley malt and rice syrup and a few other things, but they're crazy expensive. Yeah. You get these little jars. So I went to my distributor, and he apparently had like these big like oil drums of, of barley malt that he was selling. So I switched to barley malt. Then I became a vegan bakery, though I didn't ever say vegan on anything. In fact, I didn't even say like 
organic, all of that stuff was off to the side because it was at a time when if you, you used to say organic and people thought it meant that it had dirt. <laughs> <laughs> organic. Like, do you have any regular coffee or regular cookies? Now everyone knows that, 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 that organic is going to taste better and is better for you. But people don't really know that in terms of being vegan. They still kind of think that vegan things are not going to maybe taste as good for it's some reason. because they haven't tasted good vegan stuff. And then people put out yeah. some bad vegan stuff. Yeah, that's that's true. And it yeah. also just seems it takes a while for people to catch up to to things like that. I mean, I think actually the whole industry is obviously going against it. You know? Right. Yeah. Drink milk. Yeah. So, I mean, how how are you going to get any protein being a vegan? That's tough. How do you? <laughs> how, how do you? <laughs> do you? Can you answer that question for I me? How, I, I don't I've know been trying to figure that one out for a while. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> so... So you oh, are so, gonna, okay, so, yeah, ca- so cafe cafe, cafe evolution. I feel that in terms of being a vegan, um, the uh, I think what vegans need to do the most is actually just create vegan businesses and places for vegans to be, so you could discuss the issues of being what vegan is. Because it's not just about food; it's about politics. It's about it's a whole philosophy, way of life. Um, you need places that that are sort of sanctuaries for for that, and you can't have people just become vegan if there's nowhere for them to eat. Right. That's true. Um, so by creating Cafe Evolution, then the vegans have a place to be, and other people who want to try it actually have a place to, to eat at. And the other the influence it has is that as soon as you have a vegan cafe somewhere, hmm, lo and behold, across the street, the uh, grocery store suddenly has a big sign selling vegan treats. And, <laughs> vegan, you know, and all the other cafes that sell meat as well actually start to have yeah. vegan things around. Yeah. Um, so that's actually, I mean, it's a, it, whenever you, you build anything that has some sort of uh, uh, internal integrity to it, other people kind of glom onto it. And, Suddenly and there's another part. vegan uh, food selling place in Florence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. I mean, I, I take that as a good thing. So um, I'm poor, but so it's a good one thing. So one, <laughs> one of the good things I think is that you get a lot of people from uh, the hill towns and stuff that are just passing through and looking for a cafe and uh, not necessarily vegan, and they come in and get to try some stuff. Yeah. yeah. Some they them. don't want to head all the way down into Northampton, which has become really so much of a... Hassle. Uh, Congestion. Yeah, yes. Let's just say that. Or, yeah. or, I mean, it's always been an outdoor mall, but now it's really... I mean, there's going to be a Dunkin' Donuts down there. Could I say that? Yeah. There's going to be a Dunkin' Donuts down there? <laughs> I, don't, I mean, that's horrifying. Yeah. In Florence? They don't no, have vegan no, donuts in North, in, in North Hampton. Well, there already that, is a Dunkin' Donuts on King Street. No, there's know, one on Main Street. They're putting one on where Main Street. B- B-Side Records was. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. Near Quiznos <gasps> and, and Hanush and Starbucks. Yeah. S- sound familiar? Sound like your town? <laughs> Does it sound sort of like anywhere, everywhere? So that's what's happening down there. Yeah, it's sad. Florence is going to be the new hot spot. Florence is. is a new vegan hot spot. Definitely. In case y'all didn't know. And it's near the radio station, so what could be more hip than that? I know. I know. Yeah. Vegan yeah. radio and evolution. Coming a together. match made in heaven. <laughs> All right. So anything else <laughs> you oh, want to so, say? Oh, also with uh, uh, Cafe Evolution, I'm hoping to sort of turn it into a cooperative over the next year or so. Um, because I kind of feel with ve- veganism is all, for me, more about... Um, exploitation and compassion than than the animal rights stuff, which is still it's kind of that's beginning to become more of a part of of my understanding of veganism. But I'm coming at it more much more from a um, sort of a political perspective of, of abusing or 
taking advantage of other people and other things. Right. And it seems like if you're going to have a vegan business, it really you can't just have like a boss and people working for someone to make money. It seems like it it needs everyone needs to have a part in it in a in a sort of cooperative sense. So I'm I'm working towards that with that cafe and hopefully there'll be performances and and uh, i should say hopefully there will be performances <laughs> and night things uh, by the end of this month we'll start doing some night oh, things. Great. i know a lot of people who went to fire and water haven't been out there because it's a it's a morning and lunch place right and you don't usually think of driving out to florence right in the morning but you but know you should but yeah so uh so what's the location and the phone number and all that. The, uh, the location is kind of tricky because it's on on Chestnut Street, but it, but no one knows that that it's like that right. is Chestnut Street, and it's behind the Texaco station. And they're trying to trick us because they just turned, turned the Texaco Sitco. into Sitco. But so an I, easy I way is like if you are coming from Northampton, you're on Route Nine. As soon as you hit the town, there's a light. As soon as as yep. you come in the and town, and Cooper's and, Corner is still right. Is there, on the right. On and, the right, and you turn, and, and you'll you, see a huge sign. Yeah, pretty so soon you, it'll be. Cooper's Vegan Corner. Yeah, you'll you'll get to Florence and you'll see. <laughs> right, you'll, you'll get to Florence. You'll see Cafe Evolution, and it'll be Cooper's Corner across the street. Is what it'll be. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, go to Florence and, and you'll check us out. And then there's a great bakery within it too. Oh, sweet mama's um, is 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 within uh, Cafe Evolution. Yeah, she's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> and you look a lot like her. <laughs> I say, a lot like her. So um, uh, we got to get to our interview pretty soon, but you're going to play us some music. Yeah, I'm gonna play. Tuned up? Are you doing a cappella? Yeah, I am tuned up, and I and I I was trying to figure out what songs to play um, from the Star Archives. (laughs) Star Archives. I had no idea what to. Oh my god! I don't have any. If you want, you can put that other microphone over near your guitar, and I'll give you double. uh, Wow! Do you have any more? I'll have you. I'll have you be in stereo, man. Wow! Boy, this high tech here. Wait, should I point one down? Yeah. Yeah, you point. I, I don't know if it matters that much. But. Okay. How about that? Oh, yeah. This is called Just Give Me a Home. Where the uh, buffaloes roam. Where the buffalo. <laughs> Just give me... You know this, dude? <laughs> I wrote it a long, long, long time ago. In fact, when I was really young, I, 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 I tried to get, get my copyrights. Uh, but anyway. Well, Hank Williams was singing it, of all people. Um, this was called Just Give Me a Home. I wrote this back in New York City um, many years ago um, where there was a, where homeless. There was homeless. I, I, growing up in New York City before you know, Reagan, there wasn't a, the, the word homeless. There were people on the streets who were usually, you know, I mean, there were a handful of people who were homeless. But a lot of people who were just sort of out of work ended up on the streets. Um, in the 80s because of Reaganomics. You know, trickle down. Mm-hmm. Like, if I have everything, then, then Nobody my, po- else has my anything. pockets will be so big <laughs> that they'll just trickle out of my pockets and they'll <laughs> fall down other people. That's, so there were all these homeless. It's the beginning of the end. Just give me a home to live in. Just give me a job that I can do. Don't take much to keep a man alive It takes even less for him to die It takes even less for him, for him to die When I was a child I used to wonder 
there that the blind man could see, could see. My papa said no, but does it really matter? He's looking for help and he's on his knees. He just needs a little help and he's on his knees. Give me a home to live in Just give me a job that I can do Well, it don't take much to keep a man alive It takes even less, even less for him to die Once had a wife and a family I once had a name and a place Yeah, yeah When I lost my lease I just couldn't keep the pieces From falling, falling, falling out of my reach Just falling out of my reach Give me a home to live in Just give me a job that I can do That I can do Well, it don't take much to keep a man alive Whoa, oh, it takes even less Takes even less for him to die It takes even less for him Well, Mama caught a cold last December She was working the line six days, six days a week But when they cut off our heat Well, Mama, she couldn't compete And now I'm all alone, I'm all alone out on All alone out on the street Now I'm all alone, I'm all alone out I'm all alone out on the street Ooh. 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 Tell me something that I don't know What can I say to make you listen? That's just the way they say it goes What can I do to turn you around? Well, that's all right, man Cause I could understand I used to say the same things too Hey, just give me a home To live in Just give me a job that I can do Don't take much to keep a man alive It takes even less for him Takes even less for him Takes even less for him to die
All right. That's, Ow. A, that's a fake Thank out. you. Thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. So uh, we have another interview coming up, so we're going to have to... It's getting cut off after one song. Well, that's okay. But we can have you on again. We can have you on again. Oh, really? As soon as you write us a theme song. As as soon as I open another (laughs) place. (laughs) And if you you want, you could stick around and, uh, you know, ask ask Tanya questions if you're interested. Because I have a couple questions for And then you can play our outro music. Oh, yeah. All right. But um, next up, we're going to do a little short... um, Woodstock Sanctuary uh, Farm Animal Introduction. Uh, we introduced this segment a couple shows back, and we're going to introduce another Woodstock Farm Sanctuary animal while we give Tanya a call and get her set up. So enjoy this, and we'll be back in a minute, listeners. Don't you worry. Bye-bye. We're here with Jenny Brown and Doug Abel, the co-founders of Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary in Woodstock, New York, and we're here with the sheep, Malice. How you doing, Malice? <laughs> um, Malice actually just arrived here a couple of months ago. She and um, three others that are here were rescued from one of the worst hoarding cases in all history in Pennsylvania. There was this sort of crazy. Oh, she's rubbing up against your leg, Derek. Oh. She likes you. Of course she does. Yeah, you got some good smells. Um, <laughs> they were living in a basement. They were much younger, and they were living in a basement. Uh, at this woman's house who had a farm but was basically a hoarder. She didn't slaughter the animals or sell them or do anything like that. She just, she actually thought she was helping the animals by taking them in, but uh, there were dead bodies everywhere and um, feces in the house, several feet of it, and uh, a bunch of goats and sheep living down in the basement. And, but she must have been kind to them at least physically kind to them because they're very, very friendly. These are some of the most unusual sheep in the sense that they'll call when you, um, they'll come running if you call their name and they lean against you like dogs and they push each other out of the way just for some affection. They're sweethearts. They're lovable sheep. A little lovers. How much does it cost to um, sponsor a sheep, Doug? And you can sponsor a sheep. It's $25 a month, a mere $25 a month, and it helps feed them and keep their pasture up, and if they get sick or need to be sheared, all that kind of stuff costs money. And um, you get a picture of the sheep? You can get a picture. It may, in fact, be a Derek Goodwin original photograph of the sheep, or it may just be some schlocky picture that we took, but uh, <laughs> dolled up in Photoshop to make it look as, almost as good as a Derek photo. Blasphemy. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, but these and guys haven't been here long, and they, they need sponsors, and it really helps us out tremendously. It's a good way to show continual support and support that we desperately need as we're a nonprofit that exists solely on um, donations from individuals. And uh, so people can come visit it if they sponsor too, right? Absolutely. We're, you know, this area, we're in the Catskill Mountains. We've got panoramic New York views. City. Two hours from the George Washington Bridge coming out of New York City, and... We're surrounded by panoramic views of the Catskill Mountains. There's all sorts of stuff to do up here, and we're one of those sorts of stuff. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. So we have Tanya on the line, do we? Hi. Good morning. Hello. (laughs) Hi, Tanya. Hi. So how do we say your last name? Kate. K. 
Oh, Tanya K. So we're Tanya K. What's the chaos? Chaos is that just your website? <laughs> Derek it, kept calling you Tanya actually, Chaos. It was a nickname that was given to me aptly by my friend Tanya Chaos. It works really well. <laughs> I, ha- I haven't paid rent in six years, so people kind of perceive me as being a little bit flighty. But I'm just coming to terms with the fact that I'm meant to be in the air. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're you're going to be a superhero, so you should get used yeah, to flying. I'm, I'm going to be on Sci-Fi Channel's uh, Who Wants to Be a Superhero as my as my raw food, waste vegetable oil driving, chaos whip yielding, fire spinning self this July. So I, I was reading that you're going to cure people with uh, raw food diet. Yeah, I mean, that's how they put it. That's one of your superpowers? I didn't put it like that. My superpower to me is um, is they got it pretty well, and I'm not offended by how they put it up there at all, but I gain my superpowers by eating fruit. It's just as simple as that. (laughs) It's not like I have some big mission out there that I need to change the world because I kind of like the world exactly as it is. And, And, you know, the more people who eat fruit or raw food, then the better my world is, but I... I'm open-minded, and, now and is, I like everyone the way they are. Is this a reality TV show where you're competing against people, or it's just all about you? You are. You're competing, and the grand prize is uh, Stan Lee, the creator uh, of so many comic books, yes. which uh, gives you immortality in your own comic book. Oh, my God. So, um, yeah. That's very I, cool. I see you're going to have some tough competition because you're going to be competing with uh, Fat Mama, who gets her powers from donuts. <laughs> oh, yes. You That's not true. Yeah, is it? It's I mean, true. It, I'm, I'm open-minded, and I'm, I'm a Libra, so everything hey, so I do I. is kind of balanced <laughs> and tempered. But we did have some discussions. Fat Mama and I, you know, about <laughs> if I thought she was giving uh, kids a good role model. You know, and it comes down to her message wasn't about what you eat. It was about loving your body, which we totally agreed on. Right. right. So we both agree on that. And uh, I just, said, uh, just I think uh, that the ultimate expression of loving your body is, of course, feeding it the, the best food you could possibly. Right. Well, I hope, she, I hope she doesn't throw donuts at you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, if it comes down to the two of you, that'll be an interesting show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it will. <laughs> so, and other um, other things you've done, you've toured with Stomp, and uh, yep. what was that like? It was my dream gig come true. I've been performing since I was four years old, and I remember when I was eighteen, thinking to myself, after I saw Stomp for the first time, I was like, "Wow, I'd be really good in that show." But at that point, you know, I was still, at 18, I was doing theater professionally in Chicago, but that's big. Like, Stomp is really big. So you know you'd be good in it, but you don't really know how you'd be in it. And then I'm 24, and I'm on that stage. It's the best gig in show business, honestly. It was my dream gig come true. And ironically, I mean, not ironically, actually, I went raw during Stomp. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of my castmates, I got out on tour and I was just emerging, just transitioning as a, from cooked vegan to raw vegan, just transitioning as I got out on tour. And when you're in, on tour, you only stay someplace maybe three days at the least, three weeks at the most. And my castmates looked at me like they just laughed. They said, vegetarians get out here and they end up eating fish. You know, 
the devoted devoted husbands get out here and end up cheating on their wives. They <laughs> laughed at me when I said I'm going to eat only raw food, but the challenge kind of made it more exciting. And I think the biggest the biggest challenge for most people transitioning transitioning to raw food is the social aspect of it. It's when you feel like you're the oddball out and you've lost the support of your community or your family or even just the ease of going to restaurants like you used to. Sounds just like being well, vegan, but vegan <clears throat> eating cooked foods. Same thing. Well, it's, yeah, it's a little harder yeah. than being vegan. No, but it's the it's same. It's like being vegan was 20 years ago. You know, there's yeah. you, have, you go, out to <laughs> eat, go out to eat and there's nothing... Except for romaine, or uh, not romaine, what's that, lettuce? <laughs> Iceberg. Iceberg. <laughs> Iceberg lettuce. Yeah. It's, it's so little, true. It's and what I learned while I was out on the road is that we're everywhere. Like, that, I think it was the ultimate place. I just really, to dispel that illusion that I'm the oddball out, because I made a concerted effort to meet every raw foodist I could in the nation and eat at every raw restaurant. And what I got out of it was, wow, this is a lot easier than I thought it would be. And we're everywhere, and better than that, the longer I'm raw, the more of us there are. So it's, you know, um, I took a look over the vegan restaurants in California and Los Angeles area, and I included the cooked vegan the other night, and I, I, there, were, there were more than 70. Wow. More than 70 raw. How many raw? restaurants that supported vegan, you uh, know, had yeah. a, a nice menu. What, what did you say? Oh, I said, how many raw, did you count how many raw restaurants there were? Yeah, in the southern, um, in the L.A. area, there's 11. And there's two more opening in July that I know about. So wow. there's about to be 12, 13. So now, I have to say, Derek's been on a raw kick lately. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and we're both vegan. Um, and and Meg is like fat mama, only she's sweet mama, and she's always oh. trying to poison me with um, vegan baked goods. Oh. Well, there's worse things you could do, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. I say if the I'm worst not... thing you eat is a vegan baked good, then you're doing I know. real good. I know. Well, see, I'm not, I'm not totally convinced of the whole raw food diet. I mean, I'm very convinced of the vegan diet, but I'm not sure. I don't, I don't quite see how I would be able to say, like, survive and have a lot of energy on a 100% raw diet, oh, which I know on, yeah. a lot of people say that about a vegan diet. So I'm not, it's just, it's, it's interesting to me. That's all. Hasn't tried it and yet. you know what? I'm, I don't think everybody needs to be raw. And in fact, I know a lot of people who get all the benefits of the raw diet by just increasing raw. So right. some people feel very comfortable at 70% raw. And it's not 100% because that's where their life is. And they live in this world and that's where they want to keep it and they feel good. And Right. But you're 100%. I don't know. I keep it 95 mm-hmm. because to me that denotes a lot of the 100% raw foodists that I know. And I know thousands. Thousands? <laughs> um, Come on. Thousands. Because I speak <laughs> at festivals and I perform at conferences and fairs. And then I've traveled so long that I know, I know a lot. And... Um, I want to know about that well, 5%. Some of the 100% uh, raw foodists <laughs> that I've met, overwhelmingly, uh, they're kind of uh, close-minded about it. And I don't want to be that. Not everybody, but I want to make sure that I'm not the Nazi who's freaked out and scared about my health if I eat pasteurized honey once. Rice or something. 
yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I just go ahead and say, hey, I'm 95%. And oftentimes I am 100%. But if I'm 95%, that gives me the flexibility in mind to treat myself with love and not shame myself if, if I <laughs> desire a right. cracker. Now, Derek and I were looking through a raw cookbook called oh that was no the cookbook that uh you're, you're a part of uh we've we tried some recipes last night oh good we, we had your cockroaches <laughs> but we, <laughs> Which we, were, we made them with we made them with um dates and almond butter almond butter instead of hemp seed, hemp seed butter we don't have hemp seed butter. but here's my big question here's my big question <laughs> the recipe that you have where it says take raw kale leaves and wrap them around the banana and then enjoy <laughs> Enjoy like a sandwich. <laughs> I I gotta tell you, Tanya, I wasn't convinced. I don't know. I yeah, don't know, know about that I've one. I've been eating raw for four years now, so I totally acknowledge that some of my tastes in food <laughs> are for people that might be longer into kale. You know right, what I mean? Right, like, right. if you don't love kale initially, you might grow to love it, and I really have. I love kale because of how it feels in my body. Because yeah. it's not a natural right. You know, food. it may not be for you, but the banana part, how about that? <laughs> well, I love yeah. kale. It was the kale and the banana together that startled me. <laughs> well, actually, the green and greens, you know, you eat a lot of fruit as a raw fooder, and it can get over fruity. Yeah, you, definitely. Your energy gets real flighty, and you're kind of floating above the earth, and you might be um, emotionally kind of kind of up all the time. And the greens are beneficial neutralizers. They don't have an energy change. So when you wrap the fruit with the green, it's beautiful. What happens, it kind of neutralizes the sugars, and it it makes it work really nicely in your system. All I can say is if you're considering raw food or if you just want to increase it or try it, you got to do it because it's the experience. It's right. not conceptual. Right. It's like experiential. Gotcha. All right. Well, we got about five minutes left, and I wanted to talk about Burning Man. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Derek's obviously got an agenda here. I'm hoping to go to Burning Man for my first time this year. Yay! And, do it. Um, Everybody's got to go to Burning Man at least once, and I'm pretty sure after you do it once, it, there, it won't be just once. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, too. Um, so you're going to be spinning fire and stuff. And, yeah. But you said you could also tell, uh, tell people how they could survive on a raw diet at Burning Man. Yeah, a lot of people have contacted me because this will be my third year, so I'm still a newbie too, but I'm determined to stay raw while I'm out there. I mean, that's who I am, so why would I change at Burning Man? And I noticed a lot of people contact me because because of my determination and my seemingly knowledge on it, and it's a popular subject, like how to stay raw in the desert for a week, <laughs> at least Where a week. nothing living is growing. And there's no grocery stores nearby. No grocery stores, nothing's growing on the playa, and everything you bring molds or rots within two days. Really? I mean, it's hot out there, and there is no moisture. And some people have the benefit of coming in an RV where they they have the foo-food luxury of, of a refrigerator inside, which would be ideal, for sure. Like, you could make it happen that way. You could also bring coolers if you don't have the RV with refrigeration or you don't want to use electricity, which is kind of the whole whole thing of Burning Man with alternative resources. So, you know, bringing a cooler would keep your food strong longer. And uh, 
dehydrating your food. I'm going to start dehydrating now for Burning Man. Um, wow. My, my lover and I just built a solar-powered dehydrator, and this thing is a massive machine. It's beautiful, but it runs off of the sunshine here in Southern California. And we illegally stick it on the rooftop of the Hollywood house that he lives in. <laughs> and it's amazing. The sun just dehydrates the stuff, and that's the way raw food, if you dehydrate at a low temperature, it's still, it's still raw, it's still enzymatically active, and no, it's not living anymore, but it's still raw, and that's the way you can really make Burning Man work. So the key it's is the, dehydrated foods. That's the bring key. Bring your dehydrated foods. Bring At first, you know, you're going to want to eat all the perishables, like, ooh, the berries and the peaches and whatever. And then the third day, you're going to be eating apples and maybe sliced root vegetables and and coconut still. Those are, those are the last three days. And then the fourth and fifth day, your apples are running out and you're starting to work in more nuts. Um, you can soak <laughs> the nuts. You can bring dry nuts and rehydrate them and and your dehydrated foods, you can rehydrate if you choose or just eat them dehydrated. And I figure, what I always figure is doing a cleanse is like this ultimate <laughs> spiritual act. And if I have to not eat for one day, oh, my gosh, you know, I might actually get some beautiful benefits out of it. And Burning Man seems like the perfect place to do it. So if at the seventh day I choose a fast, that might be really great. Right. So um, I've been doing uh, hula hooping lately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking I want to get like a flaming hula hoop and come out and join you on the... No, you don't. Oh, yeah. You're not getting a flaming hula hoop. Come on. Why not? Because <laughs> you'll I have friends who do set that. yourself That's on fire. <laughs> you have I know. to wear a wetsuit. Oh, my what God. I think we should do a special uh, Burning Man Vegan Radio edition from the desert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, that would be uh, if you could just portray the chaos that's going on. Then that would be the challenge right there. Yeah, that would so that would be the success. We're gonna have to try to find each other out there and uh, continue this interview. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I'll see, I'll see if I can sneak the flaming hoop past Megan because she, <laughs> she's she's not gonna let me do it. I can tell. <laughs> she's just concerned about your hair. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Almost every time I spin fire, all the hair on my arms is uh, removed. Ah. Well, that's one of your uh, weaknesses as a superhero, right? If you if you lose your hair. <laughs> yeah. So so now now before you go, I don't know tell if it's us arm hair that matters. Yeah. <laughs> that's what happened to Samson. He singed off all his arm hair, and then he lost his he powers. He couldn't lift anything. <laughs> <laughs> tell us tell us when your show is going to be before before we go. Well, I have good news. Um, Who Wants to Be a Superhero will be on the Sci-Fi Channel premiering July 27th, so check your local area for the time. Okay. And I'm also going to be appearing on um, Simon Cowell's America's Got Talent on NBC. I'll be spinning fire. Oh, is that the guy from America Idol who who's everyone hates? <laughs> yes. Oh, he's show, terrible. Only for variety artists. So you're going to see not just singers, but like really amazingly talented people. I'm performing with Stilt World, and I'll be spinning fire with my whole Stilt company. And that show will be on July 26th, NBC. Wow, it's going to well, be a good week for you. Well, Tanya, there's one thing I can say. People are always like, oh, raw foods, how can you sustain your energy and this or that? But you obviously have tons and tons of energy on your raw vegan diet. Thank you. So that's ni- nice you. to hear. 
Thank so, you so much. Yeah, thank you for yeah. thank you for talking to us. Thanks so much for being on the show, and uh, maybe we can feature you later after you win the superhero <laughs> competition. Exactly. And we'll be out in the desert uh, with fire extinguishers and eating hands. some dehydrated food together. Yeah, <laughs> smashing well, also, it coconuts. Take a television show for me to be a superhero. Like I'll be at Burning Man as my superhero self. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me. <laughs> well, it'll probably be easier to find that way. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a great day. Yeah, Thanks, you Tanya. Too. Take care. Now that we're was gonna, Tanya. Wow. We're gonna have Star Drickers gonna do some uh, outro music. I, Is he? I, I, I think so. I, I'm gonna go on a no foods diet. <laughs> You're already on. <laughs> I'm a no gonna foods spin diet. water. Star's going to get his guitar for a little outro music. Been Is that listening me? to. Uh, <laughs> You saying that to me? Yeah, this Here's is my pick. Just an instrumental song. Just, oh, just okay. yeah, just do some background. You could hum a little. All right. I don't know what this says over here, Mike. So you gotta, uh, you have listened. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Vegan Radio. To find out more about anything we talked about on the show, be sure to check our show notes at www.veganradio.com. All the episodes of Vegan Radio are available to download on our website. You can also subscribe to the Vegan Radio podcast at our website and will be delivered fresh to your computer every two weeks. Our live show streams on the web at www.valleyfreeradio.org from noon until 1 p.m. Eastern Time on alternate Thursdays. While you're at the website, also check out our show forums and sign up for our email list so you can keep up with the latest news and happenings. We have forums set up for you to share news stories with us and to have further discussions about topics we cover in the show. Let us know you're out there listening and what you would like to hear about on our future shows. It's all available at our website, veganradio.com. We encourage our podcast listeners to write us a review at the Apple iTunes Music Store, as long as it's a good review. Don't write us a bad one. (laughs) And any other podcast site that you frequent. Vegan Radio is a production of veganica.com, and all content is copyrighted. Feel free to share our shows with your friends, but if you want to steal them for your own nefarious purposes, you better watch out, because the vegan police will get you. And we'll see you in two weeks for another episode of Vegan Vegan Radio. Vegan Radio. Oh my god. Vegan Radio. Derek, you're not a hound dog. (laughs) I ain't nothing but a hound dog. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Star Drucker. Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM.